You are listening to the One Church TO podcast. We are an imperfect community who are attempting to help people know God, love people, and make an impact in our city of Toronto, Canada. At the time of this podcast episode, we are currently experiencing the COVID-19 worldwide pandemic. So you'll start to notice in this same feed, we'll be providing some extra episodes alongside our weekend teaching to encourage you throughout the week. But we hope today's teaching is valuable for whatever season or situation that you find yourself in. Good morning. Welcome to our Good Friday gathering. In fact, we're happy to welcome you to an Easter weekend that we're hoping that is so meaningful for you that it makes a connection to what Jesus has done for every human being. And we're starting a Good Friday, and what a great place. It's really an unusual gathering. Millions of people around the world today, and billions in human history, have made something of this moment. Unusually, because It's unusual because we're celebrating someone's death. And so I want to actually encourage you to prepare for this Good Friday gathering. Here's the way you can do that. You can do it by getting some bread or some juice, just a couple of things ready when Pastor Keith leads us in a moment of communion where you get to celebrate Jesus' death and his resurrection, what he's done for you, what he's done for everyone. The symbols are not important. doesn't matter what type of bread you have or what type of juice or water or whatever you're using. What makes it significant is when we participate together as a community, remembering what Jesus has done for us. So I want to encourage you to prepare for that. Now, if you're here and this is new to you and church is new to you and you're not really sure about everything, I'm glad you're here. In fact, uh, you'll notice just below me, Alpha is coming up. Alpha is a course and we're doing it digitally in groups that we would invite you to participate in it. You can go to onechurch.to slash connect. And in Alpha, it's an opportunity for you to explore who Jesus is, what the Christian faith means, what's the meaning of life even. You can ask your questions. You can disagree. It's fine. We're going to have a great moment of dialoguing on the other side of Easter about the significance of what we're celebrating this weekend. So at any point, you might want to come in and press that or go to onechurch.to slash connect and be a part of an alpha experience, or you might want to invite a friend to join you for that. I think it would be meaningful and helpful. Now, Good Friday for us as a church, One Church TO, is significant in that also every year we take an offering and you notice in the top right hand corner of your browser it says give and all, none of it comes to the, it's not for the church. We take it, 100% of it, to help Torontonians. So I think this year we need help. If you want to help Torontonians, we're really well positioned to help a lot of people and organizations. If you give through that portal, we'll make sure 100% of that goes to help people in need in Toronto during this COVID-19 season. Aren't you glad though? COVID-19 can't stop us from celebrating Jesus' death. And we are going to celebrate the significance of it. If you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 23. Or if you have your Jesus Project book, Turn to page 170, because that's where Pastor Keith is going to be teaching from today. Now, Natalie's going to lead us in some songs. Some of them are significant. Some of them are even ancient. But they're as vibrant and as meaningful today as we remember Jesus' sacrifice. He died so we could live. Let's sing together. Natalie, would you lead us? Should die for 
Oh, that song asks quite the question, doesn't it? How can it be that God would die for me? It makes you want to respond by saying, unbelievable. You know, have you noticed we use the word unbelievable for two different reasons? When something's too tragic to be true. How many have heard the latest statistics of people who have died around the world in Canada, in Ontario, and you just thought, unbelievable. Or, or you see the, uh, what's happened to the world economy, jobs shut down and restaurants, it just seems surreal, unbelievable. Or you wake up in isolation and you think, what day is it today? Oh my goodness, we're, we're in these days of isolation, unbelievable. So we use that expression, unbelievable, when something's too tragic to be true, but we also use it when something is too good to be true. Wow, that's unbelievable. And what happened on Good Friday makes us want to say unbelievable for both of those reasons, because it is too tragic to be true. I mean, what happened on Good Friday was the most extreme case of uh, injustice in human history. Jesus was perfect. He loved perfectly. He helped people perfectly. He healed people. That's all he ever did. And, uh, and yet, Jesus would not back down when he was asked a direct question, are you the Messiah? Are you the Son of God? And he would confess, I am. And the religious leaders of that day said, blasphemy. You know, you cannot say that you are the Son of God, making yourself equal with God. That's punishable by death. And they set up a trial. They rigged a trial. And Pilate heard what was the accusation against Jesus, and he came to the conclusion, I find no fault in him. He's innocent. He's not, done nothing wrong. But those religious leaders were relentless in pushing for Jesus to be crucified. They even threatened Pilate's job. You know, we'll tell the emperor on you if you don't crucify Jesus. And, and he finally just gave in and said, okay, crucify him. And, and, and Roman crucifixion was quite something. I won't get into the, the gory details. I'll keep it GP. But at the same time, the Romans chose crucifixion as their execution method of choice because it was the way to kill someone that was the most painful and it prolonged the death. And, uh, and they... They just decided that they would use that for criminals. As a matter of fact, it wasn't uncommon for people to be crucified, death by crucifixion, in first century of the Roman Empire. When Jesus was crucified, did you know, we always focus on the one cross where Jesus died, but there were actually three crucifixions that day. Are you in Luke 23? Look at verse 32, or page 170 in your Jesus Project book, it says two, other crim two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him, Jesus. When they came to a place called the Skull, some know it as Golgotha, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Now, the very next verses, if you look at them, you'll see that Passers-by begin to mock people on the cross. And they mock Jesus by saying, you know, if you are the son of God, come down, you know, do a miracle. Set yourself free. Come down from the cross. The Roman soldiers picked up on the mockery. And then even one of the criminals beside Jesus on the cross starts to scoff Jesus. Listen to verse 39. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So, you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. Basically, prove you're the Messiah by getting us all out of this pain, all out of this suffering. There's no interest in recognizing Jesus for who he really was, the Savior who had come to the earth to rescue humanity from what would destroy them. N none of that. He's just, he's just reaching out for Jesus for no other reason than, than some kind of pain relief. Jesus is his 
get-me-out-of-jail-free card. Get this, though. I was thinking, if Jesus had done what the criminal asked and got him down from the cross, that criminal, it just would have been a temporary escape from his suffering because he would have been down from the cross and gone right back to his life of suffering and sin. At best, it just would have delayed the inevitable. Every one of us dies. The stats on death, someone said, are very impressive. One out of every one dies. And he, he may have had a few more years, but he would have died. It, it, it would have been like Jesus just giving pain medication to someone with terminal cancer. It may provide some temporary pain relief from the suffering, but it wouldn't heal. And Jesus came to do something more than just give band-aids out or temporary solutions. He wanted to do something that was permanent and that was complete for the human race. Now, during these tragic days of COVID-19, you hear people ask, why doesn't God just fix it? As a matter of fact, right here, when I was teaching last weekend, at the end of one of our three services in the Q&A time, a five-year-old girl asked the question, you know, I can't remember how she worded it, but the, the gist of it was, why doesn't God just take away this COVID-19? You know, uh, but, but then think about it. If he did, we'd still be left with starvation in the world. We'd still be left with uh, corruption, injustices, pollution. Listen, if God right now on Good Friday healed every case of COVID-19 on the planet, we'd still go back to lives in a world of hatred and greed and racism and abuse and violence you know, what about the gossip and the false accusations, the fake news, fake news that is fake news, the fake news that's really true news, and the news that makes you confused about what's true? Why doesn't God just clean up the mess? Why doesn't he just fix all human brokenness? I mean, does he even care? Do you know for a long time now, the number one question that people have had about God is this. If God is a loving God, then why doesn't he rid the human race of all suffering and injustice? Now, there, there's a story that helps us answer part of that. Listen to the story, and especially listen to how the story ends. At the very end of time, billions of people gathered in the vast space before God's throne. Some shrank back from the brilliant light before them, but many other groups talked heatedly, not cringing in shame, but with belligerence. How can God judge us? What does he know about suffering? Snapped a gray-haired woman. She tore open her sleeve to reveal the tattooed number from a Nazi concentration camp. We endured terror, beating, torture, death. In another group, an African-American lowered his collar. What about this, he demanded, revealing an ugly rope burn. Lynched for no crime but being black. In another crowd, there was a pregnant schoolgirl with sullen eyes. Why must I suffer, she wondered. I didn't consent to this. It wasn't my fault. Far out across the plains, there were thousands of such groups. For each had a complaint against God for all the evil and suffering they had endured in his world. How lucky God was to live in heaven, they said, where all was sweetness and light, no hunger or hatred, no violence or fear, no corruption or injustice, not even any sickness or sorrow. What does God know 
about what the human race has had to endure in this world. After all, God leads a rather sheltered, even a privileged life, they said. So each of these groups set forth a representative, chosen from among themselves because they had suffered the most. A Jew, a black man, a survivor of Hiroshima, a terribly and horribly deformed arthritic, an AIDS victim, someone who had recently died in a pandemic. In the center of this vast plain, these leaders consulted with each other. And at last, each representative was ready to present their case to God. They declare, before God could be qualified to be our judge, he must endure what we have had to endure. Their decision was that God would be sentenced to live as a human being here on earth. Let him be of a despised race, a Jew, born in poverty-stricken conditions. Let the legitimacy of his birth be questioned. As a child, let him be forced to flee as a refugee and spend several years as an undocumented alien in a foreign country. Then let him be given a work that is humanly impossible. Let him be betrayed by his closest colleague into the very hands of those who hate him. Let him face false charges, fake news. Let him be tried by a biased jury and convicted by a cowardly judge, all in the name of keeping the peace. And the last, let God see what it is like to be totally alone, forsaken by those he had tried to help. Let him be tortured, then let him die. No, wait. Let him die in the most excruciatingly painful and humiliating death possible. As each leader presented their portion of God's sentence, loud murmurs of approval went up from among the assembled crowd. <sighs> when the last leader had finished presenting their part of God's sentence, there was a long silence. No one uttered a word. No one had anything to say. For suddenly, everybody knew that God had already served their sentence. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did ever such love and sorrow meet? Or thorns composed so rich a
When I survey the cross that Jesus died on, it's understandable if I say, unbelievable. Why should Jesus have to suffer? He was innocent. Why did Jesus die? He was what the Bible calls sinless. Pilate said, I find no fault in him. The Roman centurion at the cross said, surely he was a righteous man. Why? I mean, we're the ones that decided to go our own way and leave God's plan, and we got ourselves into a huge mess, personally and corporately as a human race. Why should God have to suffer for the mess that you and I have made? That's exactly the point the other criminal on the cross beside Jesus made. Look at verse 40. He says, it says, the other criminal protested. He was talking to the first guy, the first criminal. Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Notice he repents. He repents. He owns his stuff. Unlike the first one who just wanted to get out of pain free from Jesus, he, this, this, this criminal is saying, I, I've done wrong. I deserve punishment. So he repents. And then secondly, look at this. He reaches. He reaches out to Jesus as his Messiah King to save him from his sins. And he requests. He says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus responds the same way he does to anyone who repents and reaches out and, and requests what Jesus alone can give them. He responds, he says, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, Jesus has already told his followers, and you can read about it in the Gospels, that he says, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you in my Father's house where everything will be done justly and perfectly, a place of trust and love for all of eternity. And it's free from where we have messed up life, that part of sin won't be able to go there. There'll be no suffering, separation, violence, no pandemics. There'll just be peace and trust and, and joy and truth and, and safety. Sounds like paradise, doesn't it? Now, I was part of an Easter musical right in this room. And at the end of it, uh, it included Jesus being crucified and I met someone that this was sort of new to them and, and they said to me, and it was a sincere question from a young adult, she asked, she said, uh, why did Jesus have to go through the crucifixion? Um, why couldn't he say, I forgive everybody? And I tried to explain, but then she said, yeah, but she, she brought this example up and she said, at home, if I break something... I can just say I'm sorry to my mom and she forgives me, but there's no crucifixion. And I saw the opportunity to explain how in order for things, if she broke something on her mom at home, in order for things to be restored, put back perfectly the way they were before the brokenness occurred, somebody had to pay for what was broken. You know, her mom could forgive her for breaking something. And Jesus says, I want to do more than just forgive you. I want to pay for the damages that you have done. In order for what is broken to be restored, someone has to pay for what is broken. Some, and someone has to have what it takes. They have to have the means to be able to to pay for the damages. Now, people try and do that through religion, don't they? We, we just know something's broken and we try and reach out to God and religion is big in our world today. Different levels of devotion to religions, but people have religions and religions are called man's search for God. We're reaching out. We know something's broken. We want to reconnect with the, the spiritual realm. We want to have things right between us and God, you know. But the thing is this. Is there a religion that can pay the price for the damage that we have done? What 
is there in religion that can cleanse away the wrongs that you and I have done? L l listen to this story, and again, listen to the end of it. In 1893, Chicago was host to the world's first ever Parliament of Religions. 30 major religions and 500 other spiritual faith groups sent representatives. Polytheistic religions, pantheistic, monotheistic religions, Catholics and Protestants, they were all in attendance. One by one, the best spokespersons of Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, Confucianism and Christianity spoke articulately, each contributing to a dialogue among the faith groups in a search for common ground. Dr. Joseph Cook, representing Christians, revealed the weakness of all religions. In his speech, he began to describe a scene from Shakespeare's play, Macbeth. Macbeth and his wife had just murdered King Duncan in order to ascend to his throne. Lady Macbeth has arranged to frame the king's sleeping guards for the murder by planting bloody daggers on them and covering their faces and hands in Duncan's blood. By the end of the play, Lady Macbeth becomes obsessed with a sense of guilt. She continually tries to remove King Duncan's blood from her hands, which she imagines is still there, crying, oh, oh, damned spot, out! But the guilty red stain, which is really the guilt in her soul, cannot be removed. Dr. Joseph Cook said, here is Lady Macbeth. See how she rubs her hands? What religion can wash Lady Macbeth's red right hand? This is the question I propose to this parliament of religions. I turn to Islam. Can you wash our red right hand? I turn to Confucianism and Buddhism. Can you wash our red right hand? Every religion in the world was silent. They were helpless to meet humanity's need for forgiveness. We need a savior where religion is silent with no remedy to cleanse our sin, Jesus dies on the cross for all of our sin. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can make me Religion can tell us how to live, but it can't fix us when we don't live that way. Religion can tell us what's right and wrong, but it cannot pay for the damages when we do what's wrong. It can't restore us. That, that's because religions are basically based on the karma principle. You, you get what you deserve. You know, so if you want to have a perfect afterlife, you better live perfectly here. How many know that's not going to happen? We all fall short of perfection. We all have sinned. Karma says you get what you deserve. Jesus says this, listen to this, you get what you don't deserve. You get what you don't deserve. You know, if you lined up all religions, including a religion of Christianity, and you ask, what makes Jesus different from all religions? They had to come up with a word in the Greek language spoken at Jesus' time, charis, grace, grace, we translated in English. You know what grace is? You get what you don't deserve. 
You get what was coming to Jesus instead of what you deserve. You know, uh, it's a free gift. But, you know, even though it's free, doesn't mean it's cheap. Listen to how one theologian explained it. Grace does not suspend our sentence. Grace does not release us or acquit us. Grace transfers the penalty for our sin to Jesus Christ and enables God to freely forgive us because the penalty has been paid. A Christian leader, Billy Graham, said, if you ever want to remember what grace really means, just remember G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. It's exactly what the prophet Isaiah said. Get this, 700 years before Good Friday, he described a crucifixion scene. Isaiah 53, you can look up in your Bibles, amazing to see what was written that just so describes what Jesus went through in a crucifixion, even before crucifixion had been invented. But it also says there that, that, that Jesus took upon himself our sin. Listen to this. All we like sheep have gone astray, and the Lord laid on the Messiah the sin of us all. He took it all. And get this, it all happens while Jesus is being crucified. He, he's taking our sin upon himself. And yet, right in the midst of that torturous, painful crucifixion where our sin separated him from his father, he's all alone, and yet Jesus still takes time out to respond to the request of the criminal beside him and gave him forgiveness, and promised him paradise. I mean, it's just amazing that, that Jesus, he takes time out when he's redeeming the whole human race to provide forgiveness to those who were crucifying him. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He even takes, Jesus takes time out while he's providing salvation for the entire human race of all time to care for his mother. Remember he said, John, take care of my mom. Mom, here's your, here's your son. He'll take care of you. You know, I, I don't know what you need today. I don't know what you're going through. So many of us are going through some pretty tough times, extra tough times amid these COVID-19 days. I want to say to you that, listen, if Jesus could take time out to help someone when he was being crucified, just like he did when he was walking freely, healing and helping, he's got time for you today. He'll take time out for you, whatever you're going through, just reach out to him for that help, for that healing that you need, and Jesus will be there for you. So what do these three crosses say to us today? They say we can... We can die in our sin because that's what happened. The one criminal died in his sin. We can die in our sin. What is the definition of sin anyway? Someone said the best way to define sin is the word selfishness. I heard someone else say it another way. Listen to this. Sin is a missed opportunity. Think about it. This criminal has the Messiah Savior who can forgive all of his sins right there within probably a few meters of him. And he, he misses it. He misses it. You know, some people just do this life they don't want God. And so We're glad you joined us for today's teaching. If you're listening in right now because your church isn't God's able to meet, we welcome you. And we ask that you keep supporting your church community with all the engagement and giving options that they have. If you need Here's any assistance in this Lewis, unprecedented season, please he let us know by email at care in at onechurch.to or by texting the word CARE to 416-291-9575 or even just giving us a call at the same so number. Can All other events and programming can be found at onechurch.to slash They're being a savior, reaching out to them. So secondly, we can die to our sin. We can, one dies to his or her sin. That's exactly what the other criminal does. He repents, he reaches out to Jesus as his king and requests what he does not deserve. So when someone asks me, 
How can a loving God, if he really loves us, why doesn't he rid the human race of all suffering and injustice? I invite them to survey the wondrous cross. I invite them to look at Jesus on the cross and to ask this question. What more could God do to prove his love for you and to rid the world permanently and completely of all of its suffering and injustice than to sacrifice himself on the cross in the person of his son to pay for the damages of all? the wrongs that we have done. And then to offer every one of us a second chance at doing life according to God's plan in paradise forever. I mean, you say, well, that's unbelievable. But you know what? It, believe it. It's the Good Friday truth. You know, this, this is real. How, how real is it? Well, let me just be transparent to tell you a personal story that happened to me last night. I received a phone call from my nephew in Halifax and said that the, the, the ambulance is at my brother's house right now. My brother likely had a heart attack from what they can tell, but he had passed away. My brother, a couple of years older than me, wonderful big brother. And then my nephew said, can you tell the family? You know what it's like to call your mom and tell her that... Uh, her son has died before her. And then my three sisters, Leanne and Sandra and Susan, to tell them. But you know, you know, you know, how real is this? Well, none of us talked about how successful my brother had done in business, and he was successful. None of us, you know, we took some comfort in the fact that he was a wonderful husband and father and grandfather. And, of course, he had served on a deacon board in a church. But none of us talked about his religious devotion. What really helped us was to know that my brother David had reached out to the one who died for his sins and had received forgiveness from Jesus Christ. I was talking to one of my sisters this morning. I said, no, I have to go. I have to head off to the church. They're going to be recording me in an empty room, bringing a good Friday message. She said, oh, no, no, Keith, how can you do that? And I, I explained to her, I said, you know, this is what this good Friday, Easter weekend is all about. This is real to me. This is not just telling people something that would make them feel better about the afterlife. This is real. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins. And there was a day my brother turned to Jesus, reached out and made a request. And Jesus said, David, when you're done this life, you're going to be with me in paradise forever. And I said to my sister this morning, this is real to me. This is not a job to me. This is my life. I live for this, to help people come to know Jesus. So can I pray with you? I wonder how many are listening to this Good Friday teaching, and we hear so much about death in the world right now, but we don't respond out of emotion or out of fear. We respond because this is what we were made for, to have a relationship with God that would go on forever. And every one of us can make a choice. We can die in our sin, just say, oh, I just choose to do life without God, or we can die to our sin and turn to Jesus because Jesus Christ died for our sins. So if you are saying, I, I want to say yes to Jesus' love and forgiveness and his eternal life, I want to say yes to his grace. I'm going to pray a prayer. I invite you right wherever you are just to pray this prayer. And, and God, because he's God, will hear you as if you were the only one talking to him right now. Just let, let me give you a line of a prayer. And if it's true for you, you go ahead and you pray it right after me. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Thank you for dying for me so I could live forever. I have a request to make Jesus come into my life. Forgive me all of my sins and keep forgiving me as I follow you. I choose today 
to live for you the rest of my life right into heaven when I die. Jesus, because of your grace, you are now the king of my life forever. Oh, would you pray that prayer with me? I invite you, you know, there's a way that you can respond there. You see it on your screen, it says new to Jesus. We'd like to help you along your journey. You know, everyone that prayed that prayer with me, you're, you're coming from uh, different spiritual places in your journey with God. But take the next step now. Pastor Jonathan talked about Alpha that'll come up online after Easter. What a great way to just keep taking the next steps. But, but track with us in our in our weekend services. Be here for Easter. Just, just keep taking steps forward in Jesus. Now, before we receive communion, we're going to sing a song that allows us to just praise and thank Jesus for what he has done for us. It's a good moment if you, if you haven't already to get a small portion of bread, a small cup of uh, juice. And in a few moments, I'll just be leading you in the receiving of communion as we remember with gratitude what Jesus did for us on that center cross. Oh, let, let's sing together. I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands his feet my savior on that cursed tree oh praise the name of the lord our god oh praise his name forevermore forever This is the one event that Jesus asked us to do in remembrance of him, to take the bread, to, to take the cup. You know, he, he knew we'd have no problem remembering how Easter Sunday morning he rose from the dead so we could have everlasting life. But you know what? We can, we can look at the empty tomb and Jesus rising from the dead. It, it won't tell us how much we're loved won't tell us what he was willing to sacrifice because he wanted to see you and I forgiven and wanted to see us do an eternity with him forever. It's, it's, it's when we look at what he did on the cross. So he says, remember this. And uh, before going to the cross, Jesus told his first century followers, take the bread. This is my, let it represent. This, this is my body broken for you. Do this every time you eat it in remembrance of me. So I invite you, just, just before you take the bread, just to whisper these words. You can say them aloud or just in your heart, but, but just say, thank you, Jesus, for coming into my brokenness. Thank you for giving your all to restore me. I receive your healing love today. Oh, let's, with thankful hearts, receive the bread together. Thank you, Jesus. Before going to the cross, in that last supper with his first century followers, Jesus, it says, took the cup. He said, this is the, the new covenant in, in my blood. No more animal sacrifices of the Old Testament kingdom because I'm the, the final sacrifice. My, my blood, my giving of my life will wash away all of your sins. So just whisper these words of thanksgiving to Jesus before we receive the, the cup. Thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood for me to cleanse away all my sin. Keep cleansing me. 
I'll love you forever for what you did. And Jesus, I believe you will remember me when I come into your kingdom. Thank you for your amazing grace. Oh, with grateful hearts, let's receive the cup together. Friday and meaningful Good Friday gathering. 59 of you raise your hands and say you wanted to start to follow Jesus. And I just want to say that decision was the best decision I ever made. And I know Pastor Keith would say the same thing. So I'd encourage you to take a next step into Alpha. And again, if you go to onechurch.to slash connect, that's a great next step to grow in that relationship with Jesus, to get some questions answered, and to build that connection to the community of faith and certainly to Jesus and his work for you. It's a relationship that you get to enter into. So you know, I want to encourage you to take that next step if you would. Listen, if there's some of you online, maybe you just need someone praying with you. The bottom right-hand corner, you'll see a live prayer request button. If you press that, one of our pastors will pray with you individually in this moment. You know, I think, why don't we as a church family just pray? You know, I'm so thankful for Pastor Keith. You know, his vulnerability, and uh, you know, as I talked to him before this gathering, even in the midst of loss, you know, just with a sense of celebration in that this is the real deal. This is what we're all about. Easter means that death is n doesn't have the final say anymore. Isn't that good news, friends? Father, I pray your comfort and blessing on everyone who may be mourning over this Easter weekend. Thank God we don't pray to someone who doesn't know how it feels to lose someone. God, you knew what it like, was like to lose your son, and you're able to identify with us. So God, we pray comfort for Pastor Keith and Pastor Matt and Dave and Esther and their family and uh, out east as uh, well as out west. We just pray your comfort on them. And we pray that comfort would be extended to everyone listening right now who might be dealing with forms of grief and loss in their life right now. Lord, would you come close to them in the middle of their need? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, tomorrow starts the beginning of three Easter gatherings we'd love to invite you to be a part of. Saturday at 5.30 p.m. or Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. We're going to pick up the story because thank God for Jesus' unbelievable death. 
but it doesn't end there. There's more to this story, and we want to encourage you to take a next step. Listen, if you want to still be a part of this Good Friday offering to be able to help Torontonians, 100% of what you give uh, digitally this weekend will go to help Torontonians. So uh, if you press that Give button in the top right-hand corner, you can participate in that. And just as I'm kind of call, uh, ending our gathering, a few shout-outs, you know, just watching uh, the chat room and so many of you just participating and sharing love and prayer and, and just great affirmations of who Jesus is. He's alive and he is our Savior. But, you know, Shab watching from India, Dell watching from the United Kingdom, there's a person that says they're calling themselves Bible from Kingsville, Winsome from Jamaica, good to have you with us, Winsome, Naz and Franaz from Maple, there's two Canadian Armed Force people watching from the UK, Michael and Alan right now, Rick uh, Tweez was invited to join this gathering. Welcome, Rick. And, and Gideon and Claire watching from Indonesia. A lot of love from your son, Pastor Richard. And listen, we love your church community. Like, I'm so glad we get to do life together through this moment. And so as we head into the rest of our Easter weekend gathering, make sure you reach out to others. Make sure you share the love of Jesus with others. And make sure, as we just prayed with Pastor Keith, if you prayed that prayer, take that next step into Alpha. It'll make all the difference. Love you, church family. We're glad you joined us for today's teaching. If you're listening in right now because your church isn't able to meet, we welcome you and we ask that you keep supporting your church community with all the engagement and giving options that they have. If you need any assistance in this unprecedented season, please let us know by email at care at onechurch.to or by texting the word care to 416-291-9575 or even just giving us a call at the same number. All other events and programming can be found at onechurch.to slash connect.